Good morning. Well, that's uh, an appropriate song as we return to Ephesians and look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to take up the household. Before we do, I want to just make a plug for the picture directory. We have some 220 families, I'm told, that have already uh, signed up and are scheduled to have their pictures taken if they already haven't, but we have at least 100 families that could still get involved. And even if you're not a member of Grace, uh, that's not a criterion in the first place, but uh, sometimes you think, well, I'm not a member, so that's probably not for me. But if you're here and you want to be a part of our photo directory, please uh, get involved. We'd love to have you as a part of that. And I think because it's crisp and cool out, uh, if you'd like to sign up or get some questions answered, you can go over to the building across the patio, and when you walk through the big doors there, you'll see the table there just inside shivering. Next week, Shelley and I are going to team up again, and uh, we're going to answer questions about child rearing. We both failed as parents, so we've got a lot to share. Uh, we'll be here together. I always like to include Shelley because she makes me look better. But um, I would appreciate it if you'd ask questions, and you can ask questions by emailing those questions to Tim Allen, Pastor Tim Allen. If you have a bulletin, it's on the inside panel, and it says Talon at gccvisalia.org. That stands for T for Tim Allen. So uh, if you'd like to do that, or hand me one, or shout one out. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, although just this morning we'll focus on verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. It doesn't say obey your Christian parents. It doesn't say children obey your parents. It says children obey your parents in the Lord. That's a very important qualification. And it's something that I think draws our attention this morning as we think about the household, as we think about these three verses from the Apostle Paul written so long ago. Because in the Lord makes all the difference. If you were to explain in the Lord how would you make the meaning plain to someone else? How would you make it plain to your child? What's it mean to obey in the Lord or to love in the Lord or forgive in the Lord? If you begin to grasp the sense that in the Lord 
you are relinquishing the control of your pride and your selfishness, not just yours, I'm speaking, I'm including myself there, uh, then you are opening yourself to letting the Lord lead you in the areas of your life. And this has a role to play in our families, an important role. And it has a role to play uh, as children who seek to obey parents. For it is right, Paul says. What I want to emphasize for us at whatever age we are is this. Get in the Lord, get in the Spirit. Last night, uh, Shelly and I got into a spat. She's not here this morning. <laughs> but she'll be here in the second service. Oh, there she is, she's back there. I would call it a misunderstanding, but even misunderstandings involve egos. And even if you've been married like 15 years, like Shelley and I have, or 44 years, like Shelley and I have, um, you get into disagreements sometimes, and sometimes they're loaded and important because your feelings are involved your attitude toward each other, even the past and the future is involved. You get to this kind of fork in the road and things start to be discussed and maybe the timing is all wrong and that made it a little tougher for me because I'm thinking, I gotta speak tomorrow. And now I find out, I guess what I always knew but didn't know you knew all the time was that, you know, I'm not always what I want to be in the Lord. And it's hard to get up and talk to people um, when there is differences and uh, conflict in, in, in your own life and in, in your own marriage. Well, I righted my ship and that righted the ship because I was thinking about this message first that, wow, here I am, I'm not doing too good here, you know. I gotta get in the Lord, I gotta do this in the Lord, not in my own strength. I gotta have his heart, I gotta have his mind. And sometimes we're reeling, you know, from some sense of hurt or uh, some misunderstanding. But when we will kind of relinquish our pride, our self-interests or selfishness, when we begin to speak the words that the Lord wants us to speak, because sometimes they begin with, um, okay, let's, let's talk. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to take this to heart. I'm going to respond to it accurately and honestly, truthfully, in a balanced way. And you begin to communicate and your hearts come together because your heart has been given to the Lord. 
And he gives you strength to say and do things that don't come easily or that sometimes we don't want to say or are nowhere in sight to say because we are reeling from something that has been said and now we feel justified to come back with, you know, kind of a mean-spirited response. When I talk about getting in the Lord, I'm talking about getting also in the Spirit. And when I talk about getting the Spirit, I'm talking about getting in the Lord. In fact, in chapter 4, if we ask, what does is, what is Paul mean when he says, in the Lord? What does that expression imply? Well, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, by the way, Shelley and I are great today. Everything's fine. In verse 23, Paul says, well, let me go back to verse 20. This is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, our new humanity, which is realized, of course, by faith, realized through the power of the Holy Spirit, realized through the reality that Jesus has been raised from the dead and he reigns, he reigns, he reigns. And that will be consummated constitutionally in the future at the return of Christ. But we appropriate that new humanity that is a humanity that is not patterned after the first Adam, Paul says, and he talks about that in Romans 5, he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15, but after the last Adam, Jesus Christ. That's our new humanity. It's why we emphasize that our life's purpose is to become Christ-like. And that's tested every day, isn't it? Sure it is. And that's why change which Joseph talked about, we want to initiate because we initiate that change. That word repent seems like a heavy, heavy word, but it just means we change our mind as through faith, we turn our lives over to Jesus Christ. And we are in a battle in this in-between time. We are saint and sinner. And that is the battle that Paul talks about in various places. Romans 8, Galatians chapter 5, when he talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh represents the old John. The spirit represents the Christ-like John. Or put your own name in the place of mine. So that's what Paul is talking about or alluding to, that in Christ 
we step into the full-fledged power of living after our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it shows up in our attitude, and our outlook, a change of words, a change of disposition, a change of values. And it's no less true for us at my age or your age, but even for little children. And if you look at verse five, I'm sorry, verse four, he admonishes fathers to rear their children, rear your children in the culture and the instruction or correction of Jesus Christ. Well, you can't do that unless you yourself are living out that culture. You're not being patterned after this world, you're being patterned after the new world that is the one Jesus Christ is creating in you and in his people, otherwise known as the church. The church. That is the real life of Jesus Christ on earth. Him pulsing and operating through your life and mine. And it doesn't show up in any more real place than in our homes, in the way that we care for our children and how we interact in our spouse, with our spouses. Last night I told Shelly, I said, I'm, wa- I'm wanting to do this in the Lord. I, you know, I'm wanting to be a better version of myself, the version that Jesus Christ is seeking to cultivate or create in me through his spirit, through his truth. So Paul can say in uh, verse 10 of this chapter, be strong in the Lord. Do you see that? If you just look down your page a little bit, he's going to at that point turn to the topic of spiritual warfare. And we're going to spend about three Sundays in that down the road. I'm really looking forward to it because it's very relevant to our lives. In fact, I brought it up last night. I said, this is just, this is the epitome of spiritual warfare that we are embroiled in this. I don't think I used the word embroiled at the time, but that we are embroiled in this on a Saturday night, and now I don't even feel like I can go to church, you know? And I'm sure you can understand what I'm talking about. Isn't it when, when you disappoint not only God, but you disappoint yourself, you kind of withdraw from people, you withdraw from certainly the Lord's people. Maybe you have a small group, the R group to go to, but now nah, I'm not feeling well today. And you shirk responsibilities and you become kind of passive. You're waiting for life to happen to you rather than engaging life and being a leader in life because you don't have anything to give. You're you're backing away because you've disappointed yourself. My goodness, people, why did Jesus Christ die on that cross but to defeat death and defeat sin and defeat the devil and defeat the past? in your life. And why did he raise up from the dead? That we might know new life 
And we appropriate that by faith. So we don't let our feelings drag us around. The feelings that are created by the disappointment because you disappointed yourself and you disappointed the Lord, and maybe you now think you're a disappointment to the world, I know that feeling. But that's not the feeling that comes from Jesus Christ. His feeling is, you are my child, I love you. Your best days are right in front of you. Your best moments are right out in front of you. Let's go out into this world. Let's bring joy to other people. Let's bring life to other people. Let's bring the truth to other people. And I'm not just talking about cerebral words. I'm talking about living the life that Jesus Christ empowers us to do. And it applies to all areas of our lives, no less spiritual warfare. And so when he takes up the topic, beginning in verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. That's where you find your strength. And when the Lord is preeminent, the Spirit is prominent in our lives. He's got all the room he needs to maneuver and minister and to work in you and through you. But I think Paul talks about the Lord because let's not forget what Lord means. It means he is the all-powerful one. He is the mighty one. He is the master. He is the dominus. He is the kurios. He is the king. He is the president in our lives. And I can't come to him unless I come to him as Lord. If I come to him as Lord, if I'm the Lord, we get nowhere. Nowhere. But if I come to him as Lord, then everything starts clicking. You'll recall in this uh, passage here, the first four verses, we read the first three, the first four here deal with the family, particularly parents and children, but this falls within a larger context. This began, this passage began in what's called the spirit-filled home. <laughs> well, it isn't called the spirit-filled home, but that's the topic. It says in verse 18, be filled with the spirit. Don't be inebriated with wine, be filled with the spirit. And then he goes on to elaborate what begins to emerge when the spirit is in control. That's what the notion of be filled means. He, he's, he's the boss, you know. I submit to him, I surrender to him. I quit doing it the way my selfishness tells me to do it, and I start thinking about the way a gracious God who is good and forgiving and merciful and kind and always upbuilding and edifying the way he would do it. That changes me. And those kinds of things express themselves. And then, as you may recall, he takes up the subject of husbands and wives 
And then he takes up the subject of children and parents, and then he takes up the subject of slaves and masters. And you may recall that I uh, wanted to bring to our attention before, and did, that it is quite striking. This is, this is a model of talking and writing and communicating that goes back to Aristotle and before. Uh, scholars have called these, this format the household code, the household code. But if you go back to, say, Aristotle and others, they wouldn't start with wives and children and slaves. They would start with the master of the household. And the master of the household is always the husband, the father, and the master, all in one person, because it was a patriarchal world. It was a man's world. But it's not a man's world anymore. Not for us. Not for the church. It can't be. It isn't the church if it's a man's world. It's the Lord's world. He's the kurios, the Greek word for Lord, or the dominus, the Latin word for Lord, a word that was used of the emperor and the king in human society. But Paul uses it of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Messiah, the Christ. And so, he starts with wives, children, and slaves, which were all very recognizable divisions and classes within society and within every household. He speaks to them. He elevates them by speaking to them and not just the husband, the father, and the master. In fact, this letter would have been read in a gathering like this. And wives and husbands, children and parents, slaves and masters would all be in the same space, hearing the same words. And notice the way that Paul talks to all of us. Let's just quickly go back to chapter 5, verse 22. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This is within the household code. He starts off by saying, this is a spirit-filled household because it's the household of Jesus Christ. It's the household of the Lord. And when we're filled with him instead of wine, these things start to happen. And when he gets to verse 22, he says, be subject to one another. So last night with Shelley, I, I wasn't submitting myself to her, although I was submitting myself to her. Do you know what I'm saying? I couldn't submit myself to her, but I could submit myself to him. And that's what Paul's saying here. Be subject to one another in the fear of the Messiah, our Savior, our Redeemer, Everything that God has done, 
that we count as the whole of our salvation, and it is a long list. It all falls under the title and heading of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And then look at what he says then in verse 2 to wives. Be subject to your own husbands, but don't, don't miss this, as to the Lord. Where does the wife find the power to submit herself? He never tells the husbands. I hope you were here when I spoke on this passage. If you weren't, go back. But he never tells the husbands, husbands, tell your wives to submit. No, he says, wives, because they are their own agents. He says to them, you, you submit yourself as unto the Lord. Look what he says then to children. Oh, then he says to husbands, husbands, love as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's in verse 24. And then look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And now look at verse 4. Fathers, raise your children in the education and correction of the Lord. Or some read discipline and instruction. This word that I translated culture is a big word in Greek history and literature, and it kind of refers to the full and complete educational formation of a child, either in Greece or in Rome, and in Christ. we're, We're raising kids to perpetuate the reality of Jesus Christ in our life. That's a culture. That's not just a few bumper sticker sayings or a couple of verses. Then he says, uh, slaves, and this is in verse 5, obey in the sincerity of your heart as unto Christ. And then he says to masters, and he has a lot of things to say to masters, but remember, wow, if I'm sitting here and I'm a, a, I'm a normal Roman citizen and member of the city of Ephesus to which this is written, I'm sitting here with my, I'm the master of my household, and he is laying it on me, man, laying it on me hard in every area of my rule and domain. He says, he says, stop threatening your slaves. Who do you think you are? Stop threatening your slaves. You both have the same master. You see that? You both have the same master. And your master is impartial. He doesn't take sides. That's bold stuff. So you see, we can't have a problem with authority as followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, my pastor used to say, if you have a problem with authority, you've got a problem with the lordship of Jesus Christ. And you'll never grow, you'll never thrive unless 
Jesus is Lord. So he says in verse uh, 1, 2, and 3, Obey your parents, honor your father and mother, for this is what really will be good for you. <laughs> You'll succeed if you do this. Everything I've... Uh, well, you know, the very first word I taught our first child, and I did this with our second child, too. The very first word I taught our children was dada. <laughs> it was a race to get our children to say dad before mom. <laughs> I had to change diapers to get a leg up on the race, but <laughs> the, fr the first concept, the, very f the most important word I taught to our kids, and I'm going to give this to you free, and the music will set, do, this is a setup. It's the word no. The very first word you want to teach your kids is the word no. If you're not teaching them the word no, my goodness, you're in trouble. I learned this from dog training. And I'm going to leave you in suspense. I'll try to pick that up later. So uh, you can thank Joseph's story. <laughs> Just kidding, Joseph. Um, Robert Benchley said, a boy can learn a lot from a dog. Obedience, loyalty, and the importance of turning around three times before lying down. <laughs> the point is, kids learn by seeing. And they learn from those they love. If they love their dog, they'll learn from their dog. But the people that they love most in the world are their parents. And you as parents, even though I have things to say about Obey your parents, honor your parents. This will go well with you. The most important thing is to realize that we have the opportunity to influence them for Christ, but it'll never happen just by rules. A lot of times we as parents, we teach them what the gospel came to free us from. We teach them the law and we don't teach them the Lord. And you can't lead without love, and you can't teach him the Lord without his love. They may disobey you, 
They may go their own way and reject you, but they'll never forget the Lord in you, making you a loving parent who knows how to say no for their own best interests and welfare. Will you stand with me? I just want to challenge you. Um, I tried to make it catchy. It really sums up the practice of the Christian life. Get in the Lord. Get in the Spirit. It really deals with the reality of his lordship and why he is the Lord because he has won us with his death and he's wowed us with his resurrection. But he's done something even greater. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And it is through recognizing his lordship that we get in not only to the Lord but into the Spirit. And I am using that in a kind of a double-edged sense into the Holy Spirit, into his power, into his leading, into his operation in our lives, but also into the spirit of living for Christ. And that's a change of attitude and a change of outlook. And it makes us not passive, but active, engaging people, bringing Christ to the world in which we live, at home, at work, at school, wherever we are. This morning, uh, I'm going to pray. I always say that, so that seemed kind of odd to say. <clears throat> I'm going to pray. <laughs> but when I say amen, I'm going to be up here along with pastoral staff, elders, their spouses, deacons, their spouses, any who are in the service and able to come. We're here to pray with you about what the Lord may have touched you, a decision to make. Maybe you came burdened with something. We can pray with you about that and bring it to the Lord. Maybe part of that burden is a person that you care about that is going through a very difficult time and you want to intercede for that person. We invite you to come so that we can pray together and bring our lives and those that we, we care about to the Lord. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you Thank you for uh, your great love. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which you poured out on us. An indication of your resurrection and exaltation and glory. And Father, may we move, may we live, may we make a difference this day in your strength, in your power, through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' matchless name. And all of God's people said, God bless you.